Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson, Senior Editor of the Democrat Gazette, and almost a co-host he's with us so much, but our regular analyst, Skip Rutherford, Dean Emeritus of the Clinton School of Public Service, and... uh, Uh, the original political animal, the guy who founded the political animals club. And I can think of no better person to have than to look back on the May 24th primaries and look ahead to November. Skip, you ready to talk a little politics? Rex, I'm always ready to talk politics with you. So uh, let's go. All right. So no surprise in the governor's race. I think we all knew that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was going to have a big percentage I think most of us felt that Chris Jones was going to be the Democratic nominee without a runoff. I've got to tell you, though, Skip, my only surprise there is for both of those nominees, their percentages were even higher than I thought they would be. Yeah, I agree with that, Rex. I I think that uh, it certainly was a good night for both of them, uh, particularly for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, not only in her major victory, but in the fact that I think she was 15 out of 15 in endorsements. Mm -hmm. I give her a lot of credit for moving John Bozeman from 45% to 55%. And I think she established herself as clearly the dominant Republican in the state of Arkansas. Absolutely. Now, looking ahead to November, There's really, and the word I've used in print is unless the political equivalent of the 1811-1812 new mattered earthquakes hit, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be our first female governor. My hope is, though, that Chris Jones can at least have enough momentum to force a real discussion between both candidates on the issues facing Arkansas. So far... Sarah Sanders has run a national campaign. We've both been involved in a lot of politics through the decades. We're old guys. We understand she raised enough money nationally by doing that from Trump supporters nationally to scare Leslie Rutledge out of the race for governor after having announced to scare Tim Griffin out of the race, who was going to race. So politically, she achieved her goal. But I do feel that both of these candidates owe Arkansas voters, Skip, between now and November, a really solid discussion on Arkansas issues, and we've not seen that debate yet. No, we haven't, and I think uh, I think you're right, Rex. I think it will be uh, I think it will be inevitable. Number one, because my guess is that Chris Jones will drive that debate. The second thing is is that I think that the media will will pursue that in terms of their questioning. But I think we also have to look at it in the sense that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is continuing a long line of Arkansas tradition. And that is, if and when she is elected governor, she will automatically catapult herself into the national discussion mm-hmm. for president, vice president, cabinet. There's just no doubt about that. Again, it's from Wilbur Mills and Winthrop Rockefeller and 
Bill Clinton and Wes Clark, and you just go down the list. Mike Huckabee, you just go down the list. Uh, Tom Cotton, <laughs> Asa Hutchinson, we could keep going, Rex, but I'm just saying Sarah Huckabee is going to be on the national stage discussion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I, I look back, Skip, and uh, again, you and I have been around a long time, and it is amazing still to me how quickly the change happened in Arkansas from a heavily Democratic state, starting with the 2010 election cycle, into a heavily Republican state. But I find myself now saying, well, Chris Jones is the best candidate the Democrats could have nominated. Like I used to say, let's say, in, going way back 1978, Lynn Lowe's the best the Republicans could have done. At least he's going to force some debate. So, But that, that's kind of where we are, aren't we? It is. That's where we are in politics. But I think you have to give the Democratic Party credit. While it has uh, completely shifted in Arkansas, the best thing a party can do is to nominate a qualified candidate for higher office. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats have fulfilled that. They have brought forth, a, he may not win, but it's he's not going to lose because he's an incompetent candidate. He's not going to lose because he doesn't have the qualifications and the experience to run. He is a very decent, honorable guy. So again, let the debate begin. But you're, you're right about Arkansas. And I think the problem Chris Jones has is the fact that, you know, when you looked at this last election and the heavy Republican turnout, there were 38, to my count, contested primaries for county judge and 36 for sheriff. Mm-hmm. Most of those were Republican. And so the local turnout in those elections really made a difference in increasing the Republican number when you've got people voting for judges and sheriffs. As we move on, let's go to U.S. Senate next. Again, no surprise in the outcome. I thought that Senator Bozeman would win without a runoff. If there were surprise, it was he was a little higher than I thought he would be. I, I came into the election, Skip, thinking maybe 52 53% of the vote as he ran against two opponents who were far to his right. Yeah, I think Bozeman ended up higher than I thought and that you thought. But I I think a lot of that credit belongs to the aggressive campaign that he appealed to the extreme right. You saw John Bozeman, the man that really was a centrist. Mm -hmm. And it is hard. I know he still is. I I would imagine that Kathy Bozeman, who I think is a wonderful lady, is probably so glad this election's over. Uh, oh, I think the senator's glad it's but, over. But I think, you know, he, he embraced Trump. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders obviously kept Trump at bay when the when the recording came out about Bozeman blasting Trump. And then, you know, the, the real vote you saw for, for Bozeman was his vote against Ukrainian aid that Mitch McConnell and Tom Cotton and others supported. That was, Trump was against the Ukrainian aid. So was Jake Beckett. Bozeman moved very far to the right in this campaign. And you know, and I, you may disagree with me on this, but I, I made this point on KTV on election night. In retrospect, looking at his 
percentage. I think it may have made two or three percent difference, but he's. I think he still would have won without a runoff. I, I don't think he had to, Skip. I don't. I don't think he had to, and I don't say this lightly. I honestly think he will look back one of these days and, frankly, be embarrassed by the race that he felt he had to run and was talked by consultants into running. Well, you may be right, because he spent millions of dollars. And, of course, that drove up the Republican turnout. you got to remember, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Bozeman and even French Hill spent lots of money on television uh, in this campaign, and Jake Beckett from his third-party source. So you had lots of money going into this campaign promoting the far right. It surprised me on Senator Bozeman. I know he was reactionary. I get it. But it was a campaign that I thought— It was not him. It, it was it, not him at all. Well, it wasn't the John Bozeman that, that that you knew and that you thought was a principled conservative. He moved very, very, very far right and reactionary. It was absolutely sad for me to watch. All right, moving on. Lieutenant Governor, not an office that's worth much. Leslie Rutledge, we said, of course, wanted to run for governor realized it would be mission impossible against Sarah Sanders. Timing is everything in politics, as you and I both know. So Leslie is in a part-time job, or will be after she wins in November, as lieutenant governor, but perhaps positioned should Sarah Huckabee end up in a Republican cabinet or on a Republican ticket, uh, at least positioned at that point? First of all, Leslie Rutledge's victory was impressive. Oh, very much so. So you got. I it. thought there might be a runoff I did too. there, and and her victory was impressive. Secondly, she is in the exactly right position right now for several reasons. One, should Sarah Huckabee Sanders go on to be a vice presidential nominee or get some major cabinet post or something, should should I'm not saying she would. That that works. But secondly, I'll tell you how it works again. I don't think John Boseman will run for another term. Mm, I don't either. I don't think not at his age. Uh, he might, but I don't think he will. So if Sarah Huckabee Sanders is in the sixth year of eight years as governor, she would have a free run at a Senate race if she the presidency was not on the table. So if Sarah Huckabee Sanders left the governorship for any reason, including succeeding her buddy John Bozeman, who no doubt would endorse her if she ran, guess who'd be governor? Mm-hmm. For, the, for 2026 to 2028, and then run for re-election as Governor Leslie Rutledge. So she's in a perfect position to play it out, I mm. think. And I think, um, I think she made the right move. Jim Guy Tucker made that decision when he was running for governor against Bill Clinton, looked at the numbers, said, I'm going to run for lieutenant governor. Never dreamed he would would be governor. Would because, become governor so in I late think, 92. I, think, I, I yeah. think Leslie Rutledge just got eight years just to play it safe. Attorney General Tim Griffin, here's, here's a guy that, I mean, you talk about a political animal. I mean, as you know, Tim lives and breathes it. 24 hours a day, once worked for Karl Rove in the West Wing of the White House. I I say this only half-kiddingly. I think Tim's wanted to run for governor since he was a child in Magnolia growing up. Uh, So 
now the Attorney General of Arkansas, where does that leave him on the Arkansas political map? Well, first of all, he remains very viable. He is probably, uh, he is as politically savvy as anybody uh, I've known. He's smart, he's ambitious, uh, but he's also realistic. Mm -hmm. And I think it keeps his options open for a wide variety of things. Obviously, he would hope at this stage that Sarah Huckabee Sanders would serve eight years as governor and that there would be a open seat in 2028, which would put him in a race with Lieutenant Governor Leslie Rutledge for that seat. Who knows what will happen over the next eight years, but he's viable. He's in a position. Who knows what will open up? Senate, Congress, whatever, cabinet, who knows? You're in a viable position, and that's where Tim Griffin wants to be. And so uh, he made a he made a smart move. He, he was term limited for lieutenant governor, so he was out of that race. But but he remains very active. He just he needs Sarah Huckabee Sanders to be governor for eight years. Let me touch on these, and we'll do these very quickly. Uh, our four seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. All four of the Republican uh, incumbents, really weak opposition in the primaries, so certainly no surprises there. No, the only surprise there was French Hill's margin was like 60-40. Mm-hmm. He had the closest race of, of the Republicans, but no, no no surprises. Yeah. Secretary of State, uh, John Thurston, uh, huge numbers. I, I mean, this guy is a guy who really, when that Republican tide really started flowing in 2010, comes out of nowhere and and wins the land commissioner's race. And uh, John, I don't want to say a surprise because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any preconceived notion. But a a very pleasant uh, outcome, I think, in the constitutional offices he's served. I I think he's done an outstanding job, frankly, and he wins big. Yeah, and and people like John Thurston. Mm -hmm. I think think if if you want to look at one of the traits about getting elected for office, it is likeability, and people like John Thurston. Treasurer, probably the less said there, the better. (laughs) I mean, Mark Lowry, uh, beset by personal financial problems and now it's going to be the state treasurer and I'm I can see some national folks having having some fun with that but when you get down to like auditor and treasurer those those are name ID races is really all that becomes at that point in my opinion skip and and Lowry was very good about getting his name in the paper a lot as a as a state representative well and you've got the former Gaither brother singer named Mark Lowry. Absolutely, and I think I think that was a factor among evangelicals who watched the Gaithers. I, I think that was certainly a factor. I mean, this is a state that elected a Mark Martin, that elected a Charlie Daniels oh, yeah. to statewide I mean, office. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, so I think that is uh, clearly. Uh, I, I, Rex, I walk in my neighborhood a lot, so I talk to the people that 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 are walking by. One guy was. He asked me, so, well, what do you think about the elections? And I said, there was really no really no surprises. I said, uh, you know, I thought Leslie Rutledge might get in a runoff. She ran much stronger. I, I was surprised in the treasurer's race by the margin. And the guy said, well, there's two things you need to know about the treasurer's race. And I said, what's that? And said, well, you know, the singer Mark Lowry. I said, yeah, people have told me that. And, and I, I, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of the singer I, Mark Lowry, I, I said, but I don't watch the game. But having been around Charlie Daniels and Mark Martin, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing is, you know, that pitch guy, it just sounds too much like Putin. <laughs> 
and wow. it just doesn't sound like an American name. And so people oh, thought, wow. and he said, I, I had my, somebody tell me, he said, I can't vote for that Russian. Oh, wow. I, sa- I said, he's not a Russian. He's a, he's a, Fort a, Smith. He's, a he's, he's a state legislator who is highly respected and very, very knowledgeable. Involved and, in economic development. I said, you yeah. know, he's not a Russian. And he said, no, I didn't think he was Russian, but I had people say to me, well, I, I just can't vote for that Russian. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, so we voted for an evangelical singer and against a Russian. Yeah. That's the treasurer's race. We'll be back with more of the Southern Fried Podcast, but first, this break. Hi, Rex Nelson here. Thanks for listening so far. A lot of the topics we cover here on the Southern Fried Podcast and many more can be found on the pages of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you'd like to support this great newspaper's commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette today. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad, provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, including my three weekly columns, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. As we look ahead to November, I think our most interesting race, Skip, to me at least, is going to be for mayor of Little Rock. And I and I think people statewide are going to be watching this race because I, I've said this on the show before. I love what's going on in Northwest Arkansas. It is good for our entire state. We're going to have a billion and a half dollar extra money in the treasury when we start a new fiscal year, which is just unbelievable. A lot of that based on Northwest Arkansas being one of the fastest growing areas of the country. But the state will never achieve its full potential unless its largest city and its capital city, Little Rock, achieves its full potential. So I think that's why People all over the state, Skip, are going to be watching this mayor's race, and and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out between now and November. I do too, Rex. Uh, and I, I noticed in the turnout in the primary, and you talk about Northwest Arkansas and, and percentages, and you know, one thing I'd like to say is that Arkansas had a 25.9% turnout, which was the highest midterm since 2010. But as I spoke at Boy State the other day, I said, let me remind you, that means three out of four people didn't vote. Didn't, yes. But in Pulaski County, and I haven't studied the Little Rock numbers, but in Pulaski County, there were 59,529 people that voted. In Benton County, there were 34,367. And in Washington, there was 29,571. Pulaski County almost doubled Benton and Washington County in terms of voter. Mm. So don't underestimate the impact of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, Little Rock and Pulaski County, again, Pulaski County, why you got Sherwood, you got Jacksonville, you got other places out there. But Little Rock itself is still, and you look at the numbers, 
traditionally a Democratic city. That is correct. It is just by the numbers and the and the demographics. So this mayor's race, while it is a nonpartisan race, may well take on a partisan. Um, Mayor Scott will be identified as a Democrat. Obviously, Democratic Governor Mike Beebe is kind of the one that brought up Frank Scott, appointed him as a young member of the Highway Commission, really gave him a profile. And uh, I think Steve Landers will be identified as a Republican by most people. I think that is going to be, I, I was reading the other day that our friend Mark McElroy, who's been very involved in, in the Delta and he's a great stand-up comedian, by oh, the way, in addition to being a state representative. But, but, but Mark won re-election, and he said in his district, well, there was a low voter turnout in, in the Republican primary because everybody was voting in the Democratic primary. Well, I'm sure in his district that was a big Democratic turnout. Little Rock is one of those areas, Rex, where there is a strong Democratic turnout. And some of Frank Scott's critics right now may not be as critical in November when the partisan element is raised. I know, though, Skip, that it's hard to blame a mayor for crime, but perception is reality in politics. We say that over and over. And you know there's a lot of perception that Little Rock's kind of out of control from a crime standpoint, graffiti everywhere. No traffic laws. I mean, it's a race course going out Cantrell every night when I try to get home from downtown. Uh, there's kind of that perception there. That's, And I think that's a lot of the Lander's support. And I'm not sure that the recent murder of a seven-year-old little girl, as tragic as it is, and I almost hate to put this in a political context, but I'm not sure that was not a tipping point for a lot of voters, Skip. And I, I think our incumbent may be in trouble unless we see more of an addressing these crime problems head on, which which I really haven't seen out of the mayor or the city board, to be honest with Rex, you. Rex, there's no doubt it's an issue. And there's no doubt, in my opinion, that the conservatives, many Republicans, have made this a urban blue issue of picking on big city mayors that are Democrats. And so I get it. I understand the crime issue. But as you and I have discussed, in 2020, Jacksonville, Florida, with a Republican mayor, has a murder rate more than three times New York City. Tulsa and Oklahoma City, pretty conservative cities, more than double the murder rate of Los Angeles. And Bakersfield, California, the home of Representative Kevin McCarthy, has a much higher murder rate than San Francisco, the home of Representative Nancy Pelosi. Crime is a local issue. I don't think we blame the mayor of Uvalde, Texas, or Chattanooga, Tennessee, or Buffalo, New York. I agree with you that that Frank White, I mean, Frank, Frank White. Scott, yeah. I, th I think if, you know... I want to say this. I've got to say, I'll interject while I change the subject. <laughs> On my walk through the neighborhood, I see gay white Daniels a lot. And I really like her. She is a fine, fine human being who cares a lot about this city and this state. Mm -hmm. So I, Frank White's been on my I'm mind. Because of that, understood. Yeah. Uh, but Frank Scott does have an image problem on crime. He needs to do a better job telling the story. And as you and I have discussed... I'd like to know how many of these murders are random. I'd like to know how many are 
domestic violence. I'd like to know how many are where people are acquaintances and they know each other. The other thing you and I have got to understand that murders are going up all over the country, and it's we are dealing in a situation. I saw this the other day at Boy State. I spoke at Boy State, and by a show of hands, I asked the Boy Staters, how many of you have seen a significant increase in mental health issues involving your family or your classmates or friends? And the huge number of hands went up. We've got an issue of post-pandemic problem. We've also got an issue, I believe, of felony cases, backlogs, as a result of the pandemic. Remember, a lot of courtrooms didn't have sessions. So we've got, we've got a major crime issue. Frank Scott, in my opinion, the moment that, that little girl got shot, should have been standing out there. Absolutely. Also. Should have been an afternoon news conference. Should have been right there. And that was a mistake. Absolutely. You've got to address it. On the spot. Head on. We're going to have you back, I guarantee you, before November. So we'll talk more about this. I didn't want our time to run out, though, without bringing it back and talking uh, an issue that uh, you and I mutually care about, and that's downtown Little Rock. Your long association with Lyon College and your hometown of Batesville, member of the Board of Trustees, the exciting announcement of a dental school, of a veterinary school. They're going to be on the Heifer campus that is now being purchased by Line and the private investors that are working with Line. I can tell when I'm, I'm very active on social media, and I can tell when I put something up that people are really excited. And I, I think people want downtown Little Rock to do well. And I saw just, you know, hundreds of likes on Facebooks, dozens of shares of the story when that broke, I sense a lot of excitement about that, Skip, that if this goes right, it could be a real turning point for all of downtown. Rex, I totally agree. And I've got to give uh, uh, Lion President Melissa Tavener, and I've got to give one source uh, leader, Merritt Dake, who's leading the private sector investors in this. And full disclosure here, I mentioned Skip was a board member. I was president of Arkansas Independent Colleges for five years, so I'm biased. I represented Lyon, as you know, among other schools for five years. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited line. for them. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the line board, but I would say that I also have a great interest in downtown Little Rock, mm-hmm. as you know, doing the Clinton Library Project and the Clinton School Project, and Batesville, my hometown, and the Lyon undergraduate campus. Rex, I believe in my strongest heart of hearts that this project is going to work. I believe that this combination of this private investor combination and working through the accreditation issues, which are in process right now, I believe they're going to work. I believe it's going to be a game changer in terms of people working downtown. Now, I love the Clinton Library, as you know. Mm-hmm. Clinton Library brings a lot of this. Was your baby, Skip. Yeah, and, and the Clinton School attracts really good students. But in terms of numbers, in terms of numbers, the medical school, uh, the dental school and the vet school will dwarf both in terms of full-time employees, people downtown. That leads me to be hopeful that some of these downtown buildings that are vacant. Boyle and Donaghy, I can see them both being redeveloped on Main Street. The Clinton Library was a catalyst for redevelopment. Hopefully, the dental 
and the vet schools will be catalysts for redevelopment. That would be really good for Little Rock. Absolutely. And I have to mention, and so there's that sense of optimism uh, here, not only that, but as this news comes out, we're nearing the opening of a spectacularly redone now Museum of Fine Arts, Arkansas Arts Center. And I think that all plays together, don't, don't you, in a sense of momentum in this neighborhood? Well, we need momentum. And I think it's fair to say that what we're seeing on Capitol Avenue is not a pretty sight. Not at all. And I've written columns that you know about that recently. So we need momentum in downtown Little Rock. The dental school, the vet school, the art center all add to that. And we've just got to hope that we can turn Capitol Avenue around and take some of these big vacant office buildings. Because we're getting to be, Rex, to be honest with you, too many of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just one or two. We're now talking five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. It's getting to be too many. The, the inventory of vacant high rises. And in a post-pandemic world, you know, yeah, people, there will be some people that will come back to the office. You bet. There will be some people that will work hybrid. You bet. Heifer, for example. But there will be some people that will work remote. Yeah. And so we, downtowns have got to adapt. And that's why we need people living downtown, because you take the Bank of America building, you take the Regents building. You're right. In this society, that's too many floors of office space. What you need now is mixed use. And I'm talking about possibly floors of buildings like that being either apartments or condominium. I think we've got to really focus on this in downtown Little Rock. When we were building the Clinton Library, I looked back and the bank buildings were all full and it's pretty exciting. And the Little Rock Club was going and you know, all the, you know, you just had a lot going on. And Capitol Avenue, we, we, it was called the Financial District. We oh, were yeah. talking about rebranding it. And now, uh, I drove down there today. and uh, it, Pretty it, empty, isn't oh, it? Oh, buddy, it was, it was not a pretty sight. Boyle and Donaghy, I think I'm somewhat optimistic if the dental and vet school goes, and I think it will. I think both mm-hmm. of them will, because th- those are going to be nearby and neighborly. Very close, yes, absolutely. A lot of potential there. Well, politics, downtown development, we've kind of covered the waterfront for this episode. Like I said, we'll have you back in a few weeks, Skip, and uh, maybe we'll know know a little more. We'll start to see this mayor's race uh, play out a little more because it does fascinate me, and the next time we get you, we may just devote the whole 30 minutes to that. Well, it's going to be – I think you're right. I think it's going to get a lot of statewide attention, but I think it's going to get national attention. Yeah, Frank Scott is now head of the National Association of Black Mayors. I think think it's it's going to get a lot of national attention, which, again, this is where we are in 2022. I also believe this. You're going to have to look and see what kind of other races are on the ballot. And I have not studied the November ballot yet. John Thurston is a good guy for Secretary of State. So is Annabeth Gorman. She's mm-hmm. a very talented young oh, woman. Oh, I, I was at debates for all of those and very impressed and with Annabeth her. Gorman's yeah. a strong candidate. I, so I got to give the Democrats at least credit for putting up some strong candidates, uh, not in every position, but in, in governor and Secretary of State. And Jesse Gibson's a very strong candidate for attorney general. So you've got some people out there that are going to be able to attract some people. Again, I go back and say, Little Rock's still a Democratic city. All right, Skip Rutherford, our guest. Like I said, we'll be having him back. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rex Nelson. We'll see you the next time here on the Southern Fried Podcast.